Good evening. Welcome, everyone. It's good to be here with you tonight. Uh, Pastor Mike and some of the staff, they're over somewhere in Arizona having uh, pastoral time, and I think it's really good. Anyway, it's a good pastor school to go to, and he speaks of it often, but thank you, Pastor Mike, for allowing me to have the Wednesday night service tonight. It's always a privilege to be able to speak to the Fellowship of Bethel Temple, uh, and it's we brought our women in tonight, so you women that don't come to our class, you're always welcome to come in, but we're thankful that you're here tonight. Um, I'm not sure if they're live streaming, but if they are, hello out there, and make yourself comfortable while we dig into God's Word. Uh, before we get into our lesson tonight, though, we want to take prayer requests. I know that... Uh, Lena's family has a prayer request. They had a loved one that they lost this past weekend, so let's pray for them. Um, any other prayer requests? This is your opportunity to share what you have on your heart. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Pray for those that have been touched by that fire out in the panhandle. It's just a lot going on. Yes. Amen. It was an emergency landing out at the airport, and uh, Dennis has asked that we pray for those that are involved, and he was checking on them. Betty. Johnny Honeycutt's uh, son-in-law been diagnosed with cancer and they can only do chemo so in a lot of pain let's pray for him uh, Martha let's pray for Ronnie Capers and Peggy I think Peggy had a fall today or yesterday and uh, she just got over surgery of had for her toes and now her heel has been fractured or something's going on. Let's pay for, pray for Peggy Cooper. Any other requests? Lena. Let's pray for Pam Ansley. She had surgery last week, and when I talked to her over the weekend, she sh sounded very chirpy, but she might have been doing that for my benefit. But let's pray for Pam because she needs healing, and she's facing another surgery too. Yes. Yes, a friend that has cancer. Uh, you know, cancer is really raging right now. We have three friends right now that have been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and it's, it's a battle. Zelda. Mindy's having shoulder replacement on the 15th. Let's pray for her. Brother Jimmy. Okay. We'll be praying. Yes, Betty.
exactly. We'll be praying. Uh, Ashley, did you have a prayer request? Pray for Angie. She's still hurting. Bill? Pray for Bill's brother. Yes, Amy. And uh, Kathy. Pray for Kathy. She has an elevated potassium, and you know what that does to you. Uh, also, please pray for my nephew, Brian. Uh, he had the cancer surgery at Houston in January, but uh, he is recouping now, but having chemo like once a week. So I uh, texted him last week, and he really uh, said he was progressing, but they don't always tell Aunt Brenda the truth. So we just pray that he'll continue to heal because he has three small children and a wife and a business, and we know that we know God can. No doubt in my mind, God can. And God can do all of this. What else, how, where else can we go? There's nowhere else we can go but to our Father God for all of these needs. No matter how much medicine is offered to you or how many treatments, the only peace comes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak the name of Jesus. As we pray tonight, let's pray for our pastors and our teachers that are working in the back and that God will minister to them. Uh, ministry is hard work, but God is faithful. Father, we just come to you in the precious name of Jesus, the name that's above all other names. Lord, tonight we are a needy people. But Lord God, we know that you have not changed. You said you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you change it not. Lord, we anchor our soul in that tonight, God. Lord Jesus, for all the needs that have been brought forth tonight, Lord, we know that you are faithful and you're able to heal. You're able to bring up to a, their, out of their depression, out of their financial needs. Cancer, we come against you in the name of Jesus. You have no power. And Father God, I pray that you would loose, Lord, all those that are bound tonight and need a release in you. God, I pray tonight as we go to the word, Lord, that you will bless it and bless the ears that hear it. Lord, because without you tonight, we're nothing. Yes, Lord, I'm afraid, but I know that you're my strength, you're my courage, you're my help in the midst of everything that we go through, Lord. Lord, as the pastors are away, Lord, learning of you, I pray a refreshing in their spirits. I pray, God, as they come back, they are fired up, powered up for you, Lord. I pray over the teachers tonight and the pastors that are in the back, God, I pray that you would refresh their spirits, Lord, and let them deliver the message, Lord. We know how important it is that we hear the word. And Lord, I pray you bless it tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, in our ladies' Bible study, we have been studying uh, 2 Timothy. Years ago, we did a study, and it was called Entrusted, and it was written by Beth Moore. And the word entrusted, it comes up quite frequently in conversations. And that word entrusted means to be able to or have the knowledge to. It also means that you have the gift to deliver. Whatever message that you're trying to deliver, you can do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So, being entrusted to deliver the message in 2 Timothy chapters 1 and 2, we're going to talk about Timothy a little bit. But this was one of the this is the last letter that Paul wrote, and this was around 62, 67 AD. And when Paul began to pour himself into those that he partnered with on missionary journeys, there was Silas, there was Barnabas, there was Mark, Titus, Timothy, and when he began to pour into them, he was mentoring them. Just as we mentor each other. We encourage one another. And in the study, as Paul is speaking to Timothy, he's giving him instruction for future and to enlarge the church. The church is still in need of being enlarged today. There's still people out there that don't know Jesus. You think, well, I was raised in church. Why is it other people don't know Jesus? Well, sometimes myself included live in a bottle. And I don't always get exposed to the things that are going on around me. But some people do not know the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's our job to do so. But it's important also to know that Paul was entrusting the gospel to Timothy. In the first chapter, he talks about how that he remembers Timothy with his tears. So Paul is very emotional. And at this point, I want you to know that Paul is nearing the time of his death. He's in prison in Rome. He had been in prison in Rome before, but he's in prison in Rome again. And Paul has no friends in prison this time. He's alone. He's there with probably not so desirable people, but Paul is in prison and he's writing the letter to Timothy. But one thing that he does that I think is fairly remarkable and we need to remember this because it's important, Paul was addressing the fact that Timothy's mother and grandmother had played a part in his love for Jesus Christ. Now when I read that, I thought about all the moms the dads, the grandmothers, the aunts, the uncles that have an opportunity to pour into their grandchildren or children and establish God's Word in their heart. But Paul here, he's acknowledging that. But in 2 Timothy verse chapter 2, verse 2, and I studied from the Fire Bible, I like different Bibles. I'm packing up my house because I'm moving again, which... Y'all don't say a word. I like to move. Yeah. I I don't own one home I'm living in and the other home I'm going to eventually. But I found, I counted my Bibles, and I think I had 13. So I like to look at different Bibles. I like to look at different references. But this is the English Standard Version from the Fire Bible. And verse 2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He is saying to Timothy, I want you to carry this on. I want you, I'm entrusting you to carry on the gospel. If we remember that when Jesus was resurrected, went, in, went away 
He said, but I'm going to leave you a comforter, and that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what indwells in us and gives us that power. Also, he gave Timothy that power because he entrusted in him to do that and to carry the word. But when we carry the word, we need to remember there's power in the word. I get so excited when I read the word because you know what? It makes me holy. It makes me not be so mean. It makes me say better things. It makes me to be positive. But if I don't get in the word every day, there's a problem with Brenda. We need God's word in our heart. But as Paul was entrusting Timothy to carry on the gospel, he said, there's going to be some things that are going to come up against you. When you try to witness, do you have opposition sometime? It doesn't feel good, does it? Well, it didn't feel good to them either. Even in that time, persecution was quite prevalent. And the persecution they went through is not something that we want to go through. Sometimes we think, oh me, I've got a problem. Well, you know what? You don't have near the problems that they had. But Paul was close to his time of departure, and he knew this was imperative that he shared this. He is determined that Timothy is going to receive these points. And these are some of the points, and I want to read them to you out of the um, Fire Bible. Number one, these are the special features that Paul wanted to acknowledge. He says that he's emphasizing God's word must be accurately interpreted by those devoting, devoted to serving God. Let it be accurate. When I think about Paul, you know, one of these days I'm going to get up there and I'm going to walk streets of gold and I'm going to see Paul. If Paul were here today and he saw the divisions in the church because many churches now are not acknowledging Paul's epistles as the gospel. They say it's a man that had an opinion. And churches have split over that. But Paul is saying here, be accurate. Be sure that you know what you're saying. Be sure that you're delivering the right message. He said, and to entrust the ministry of the word to reliable men who will then teach it to others. That's why, okay, I'll probably get in trouble. Theology is a good study. Studying the Bible is great. But if you don't have the spirit of the Lord in you to deliver the message, it's like falling on deaf ears. If you don't have the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to deliver the message, sometimes people don't receive it. And what Paul is saying is that these ministers need to be trustworthy. We need to be able to count on them. And then he says, they got to be Bible-trained Christians, and that doesn't always mean in a seminary. A lot of people are taught just in the local church. But I encourage you, if you're not in regular Bible studies, please be in a Bible study. Then it says, fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into the flame the gift of God. The flame is burning embers. How many of you have a wood-burning fireplace? Cool. Smells good, don't it? Yeah. I love to sit by a campfire. 
But when the fire is going and the embers are really hot, you go over there and you stoke that fire, and what happens? It gets bigger, don't it? Yeah. And it gets hotter. Well, Paul is saying, fan the flame. Fanning the flame is fanning the spirit of the living God with, within you. Oftentimes we leave the church and we don't ever pick up our Bible again. Sorry, Pastor. I know you're watching. But this truth, the truth is, we don't pick up our Bible in order to have the flame fed. If we don't have that flame burning hot within us, we may make that mistake out there and may not carry on the ministry like we should. But he's telling Timothy, he said, fan the flame. And I know Zelda covered that last week, and I bet it was really good, Zelda. Fan the flame. Another point that we need to think about, because when those, when those embers are burning bright, they're the hottest. We, and Timothy, he's saying, fan the flame. Then he said, do not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel pierces every part of us. When we sit down at night or we sit down in the morning, we do our devotional and we have some quiet time and we begin to read the Bible, what does it do? It changes you. It melts your heart. It corrects you. It uplifts you. It gives you time to let Jesus speak to you. So we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. We need to let the gospel take root in our hearts and in our lives. It says, suffer for the gospel. And we all have suffered at one time or another. But like I mentioned before, the suffering that we go through has been nothing compared to what the early church went through. And I hope we never have to go through that. But the suffering that we go through sometimes is a loss of loved ones. It's sickness in our bodies. Oh, hallelujah. You know what? When we go to heaven, we're not going to have none of that. That is when we will have arrived. The suffering that we go through here is nothing compared to what we're going to have. One day when we get to see Jesus, all that's gone. I'm going to have pretty hair, and I'm going to be maybe young again, you think? <laughs> but you know what? When I get there, all the suffering that I had here is going to be nothing. You say, Brenda, you don't suffer. Yes, I do. I get lonely. I want to talk to somebody sometime, and nobody's there but the dog. But you know what? That is nothing compared to what the apostles went through. So our suffering is nothing compared to them. We should not ever be ashamed of the gospel because you know what? God will always give us the strength to walk through, have courage, and go past each and everything that we go through. And it says to follow the pattern of good words. We're going to talk about that more in a little bit. And it says guard your deposit. Your deposit is your ministry. Your deposit is the Word of God that's hidden in your heart. 
You know, one thing that um, Ferg, do y'all know Ferg, our new um, children's pastor? Ferg is teaching our kids Bible verses. If we will put these Bible verses in their hearts as they grow older, they will not sin against God because it'll be there. Because you know what? The conviction of the Holy Spirit will be there and say, no, I shouldn't do that. I know I'm not supposed to do that. And if they do, then there's another thing that Paul talks about, and it's about grace. The grace abounds because Jesus died on the cross. It's not a work any of us could have ever done. The song Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing Grace is uh, something that I don't want to live without, but grace extends the unmerited favor of God. Do you ever mess up? Mm-hmm, I do too. Do you ever say something and you think, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have said that? Then you get to apologize. You get to say, I'm sorry. Yeah, hugs. Yeah. Hugs cures it all, right? But grace abounds in each and every one of us when we know Jesus Christ and we have the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. But I want to say something here about grace. Grace is wonderful, but it does not excuse sin. One of the concerns that I have in the today church is that the word grace has been used to excuse to do whatever they want to do. But when there's sin in your heart, it's hard to really experience that grace. But that grace was extended at Calvary, but are you going to accept it? Or are we going to continue in our sin? Are we going to recognize when our sin is overwhelming us and ask Jesus to extend grace to us to forgive us? Now, I don't like to always bring this up, but it is a good analogy. When I was a kid, we always wore dresses. We wore our hair long. Uh, we couldn't go to movies. I'll never forget the first movie I ever went to was Gone with the Wind. But these were things that in our church was a sin. Well, it's not. It's traditional. It's living under a tradition rather than under grace. It doesn't mean we're not supposed to dress modest. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to watch where we go and who we're with and how we act and what we do. I'm so thankful that we have grace, and it covers our sin. But just say this, and this is what Paul is saying. He's saying that grace has been extended through the res resurrection. And also in the Word, it says every time we sin, it puts, God, puts the cross to an open shame. And when I read that, I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't want to do that to Jesus because Jesus has already suffered. But I would just say here, along with what Paul was saying to Timothy, refrain from those sins. When you know you have a weakness, pray about it. Ask God to help take it away from you. Uh, Pastor Mike would, he would say, well, when he came to the Lord, he still had a potty mouth. And he would uh, 
quote this scripture, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer was King James Version. Well, when I, I backslid at 16, I came back to the Lord at 19, and folks, I've never wanted to go back and sin. <laughs> never. Never, never, never. I thought, my eyes are on Jesus. My anchor is in Jesus. But that was the same scripture that I put in my heart, and I would say, because I learned to say words that shouldn't have come out of nobody's mouth. But I would say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and redeemer. That's in Psalms. But if we have that in our heart, and we don't want to sin against him, just pray and ask God to take that sin away from you. But the other thing was, let me just say that was uh, be strengthened by the grace. And then pass on the message. How many of you here like to do public speaking? Raise your hand. Oh, my goodness. I was going to call you up here and help me out tonight. Yeah. <laughs> the message has to be accurate. If the message is not accurate, then it's not going to do the work intended. The message has to be surrounded by the Holy Spirit. Let's pass on the message. What inspired me as a child was that I needed to trust in God more than anything. And my parents had that relationship with Jesus. And um, we didn't have medication. We all run to the doctor now, don't we? Nothing. Well, we do. It's just the way it is. But then we didn't. My family would gather around us and lay hands on us and pray for us. Because that was our medicine. That was the healing that we, we received. And to think today that we would live without all of those things to help us through life, it's kind of scary, isn't it? But you see, he is our healer. And as a young child, the message that was sent to me was that I can depend on him. I can depend on him. You can depend on him. We can trust him. We can pray and know that he'll answer. You say, well, he doesn't always answer me. Well, he may be. He may just be quiet for a while. It may be yes or maybe or no. Are we willing to wait on it? But the message that was sent to me was that he is my healer. He is my peace in the midst of the storm. He is my comforter when I need to be comforted. He is the love that I need in my life. There's no love like the love of Jesus. None whatsoever. None. But in that message that was sent to me was, I knew that I could count on prayer to touch my body. The witness of your life can say more than words. We're still talking about the message. I would guarantee you that when you get up on Sunday morning to go to church, someone watches your car going out of the driveway. I bet everyone knows you go to church. 
I bet everyone knows when you come home. And they'll see me go out of the driveway again. Well, she's going to church on Wednesday night too. That is a message. That is a message that you're sending to your neighbors. The other thing, when they come over, mine like to come to the porch and bring their dog with them. So what an opportunity to give them the message. When Paul was talking about the message that Timothy was to convey, he was talking about the message of Jesus Christ. Our message can be everything that we do throughout the day, how we handle a situation, how we speak to someone. I know that if you're like me, you've been through drive throughs that you really just wanted to not be there. And we can all say that. But what I found that when I go through a drive through to pick up something, I try to give them a dollar at least. You know, because I want to be kind. I want to let them know that we love them. I want to reflect Jesus Christ. I want them to bring them to church with me. I don't want them to feel like they have something bad going on in my life and their life too. What we reflect counts. What we say to our people that are around us counts. It's so important that we convey the message. In our office, we have a total of 10 agents now. And uh, a few of the agents that come in were not believers. Uh, but they've been with us a long time, so I guess they like hanging out with us. But uh, we have our devotional every Tuesday morning when I have our office meeting. I won't start an office meeting without devotional. You know, I want them to see the power of prayer. We pray over everything, just like we prayed tonight. We did not, line by line by line, talk about Zelda's knee or Christy's knee or your knee, but the Lord heard the prayer request, and he heard our prayer. And those prayers are there. So don't underestimate what prayer does for you. But anyway, we do a devotional, too. They get, they get some of the word. Yep. They get the word. And we got one young man. He's probably 26. He's a graduate from Tarleton. And I didn't know if he was going to tolerate us or not. But he's still there. And uh, I pull them all in the first of the year and sit down with them and try to analyze what's going on with them and how they feel about their business, how they feel about Hope and I being there, how they feel about being in the office. And this is something that's really important. They say, we like being with you guys. Well, it's nothing more than the message that the Holy Spirit dwells therein. The Holy Spirit is there, just like the Holy Spirit is here. If you give the Holy Spirit permission your message is going to count. But you got to allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign there. That message is so important. How you drive, oh my goodness. Steve Roy, I get tickled at him. You probably listen to this, Steve. He said that's one of the hardest things for him when he's driving. Everybody else drives crazy but him. <laughs> but you know what? We all have issues there. Mine might be something else, but. It's okay, Steve. We love you anyway. But the message is so important. 
Then the next thing that Paul said to Timothy said, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness. I bet we all did crazy things growing up. Did you drag down the street, Josh? Did you go fast? No? You didn't? <laughs> we all did silly things. We all had our youthful passions. And we won't talk about them, right? But those do influence our walk and our ministry. But when we remember the youthful passions at my age, and I think, oh, how did I live through that? Because I, no, I'm not going there. We'll forget that one. We'll move on. <clears throat> and diligently handling God's word. Just make sure it's accurate. Make sure what you're saying is accurate. And the only way to go is go back to the word of God to be sure that it's accurate. Because there's a lot of voices out there now. There's a lot of deception out there now. And the deception, the ministries that are out there, if they're misleading someone, they will have to be accountable for that. In verse 6, the analogy of the farmer gives us the example of the harvest. When you farm, I'm going to tell you what, farmers, we need to take our hats off to them because it's hard work, hard, hard work. And you never know if the crop is going to make or not. Subject to wind, water, all kinds of things. But Paul says, the farmer gives us the example of the harvest. The harvest does not, does not take place without hard work. Plowing the dirt, tilling the compost in, watering the plants, and watching them grow. With the right tools in place, there is a good harvest. Be diligent with God's work. Knowing the harvest will be souls for the kingdom. It is hard work. Those that are disciples, and there's many disciples within this church, when you're discipling other people, just remember it's hard work. It's not a picnic. When they go out here and they do all the grocery giveaway, when we have grief share, we have choir, we have a lot of activities, we have children's church, and those little kids are not always sweet. But it's hard work. But we need to remember, hard work is what brings the harvest. If Ferg was not willing and his volunteers to go out there, go back there and be with those kiddos, they would not be trained for the future for you to sit in, them to sit right here in these seats. In our youth group, there's over, they had over 53 in there one night. We're expanding through the walls, literally. But that's hard work. And you know what? The thing that Mark has done is challenge them to disciple those in school. So about half of them do not have parents that go to church here. Just want you to know that. Be aware of increasing wickedness. There's a lot of wickedness out there. And you have to be careful and not be a part of it. But you also have to know to not be so offended. Sometimes it's hard to be quiet, right? Yeah. 
Sometimes it's hard to not listen to the jokes or gossip. But we just have to remember it's not fruitful for anyone. Paul also noted in verse 16 that Hymenaeus and Philetus were swerved from the truth. In other words, they got distracted, which is upsetting the faith of others. If you think that something pastor is saying or I'm saying is not correct, come to me and don't tell anyone else. Let's discuss it. It's the best thing to do. Don't stir up people so that they'll be unhappy. Verse 19, but God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. There's not going to be any changes, guys. His foundation is firm. It, you can stand. When you think you can't stand, you can stand because you have God with you. His, his word will never change. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the Lord depart from iniquity. This is a challenge in verse 19. Let everyone that knows the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Paul was not just saying that to Timothy, but also for the church today. If we call upon the name of the Lord and we name Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord, depart from iniquity. Stay away from it. Try to not be a part of it. He knows you and he sees you where you are. Flee sin and stay close to Jesus. And the fire Bible comments this, though many may abandon the truth, and false teachers may make their way into the church, God's firm foundation, the true church, cannot be destroyed. And then Paul references in chapter 2, and he talks about there would be gold, there would be silver, there would be wood. There would be all kinds of people within the church. There will be rich people, there will be maybe mediocre, there will be poor people. But all of them count. Everyone counts. You know, everyone is important. They're all important. And we need to remember that we all have a place in the church. The, uh, <clears throat> then talking about, uh, let's see, I had another scripture. And in ver chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Handling the word of truth. That is our charge. Handle the word of truth. And then I had a devotional this morning, and I thought it was really so cool because it goes along with the lines of, the Word of God, how powerful it is, how truthful it is, how that it imparts to us when we have difficulties that day. Say, I woke up not feeling good, and you read the Word, and it can change everything. It can change you. It can change those that are around you. There's that much power in God's Word. Uh, I've watched Ashley. I gave her a Bible a few, I don't know when, but anyway. Her Bible is about worn out that I gave her. And I thought, she's reading the Word. She's reading the Word. The Word is what makes you strong. The Word is what corrects you when you're wrong. 
The Word is what makes you happy. The Word, that he the word helps you when you're suffering. When you need healing, the Word is there. Speak the Word. Pray the Word. Know that the Word is there to bring you victorious ministry in your life. And every one of you are a minister. You never thought of yourself as a minister, did you? But you are because someone is watching you. They're watching your testimony. But in this devotional this morning, it says the hammer of the word. And it says, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. And that's Jeremiah 23 and 29. And what he's saying here that you may be hard. You may be hard-hearted, and you may say, I am never going to that church again. I'm never going to worship God again. But he can just get a hold of you that quick, and everything is broken down inside. All those feelings are gone. All the anger is gone, and you want to worship him. And then it says, in this passage, God reproved the prophets who presented their false dreams as the word to Israel. See, during that time, they had a lot of false prophets going around. It said that through the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah, he tells them that they should keep their dreams to themselves and that they should never offer up their own visions as his word. Did you hear what I said? Their own visions as his word. You better know for sure what you're saying before you say it. Because the Word of God is going to stand regardless. The Word of God, said Jeremiah to them, is like nutritious, nutritious wheat and not like the worthless straw of the words of the false prophets. <clears throat> In other words, the true Word has power. We all want wheat bread, don't we, and not straw bread. We want the truth. We don't want what someone is putting in front of us because they think it sounds good. And it says, the Word of God also does not just flow through a person without affecting that person. I just wanted to read that so bad. What a good sentence. It doesn't go through our hearts without it affecting us. It always has a powerful effect on your life. It is like a fire or a hammer with which stones can be crushed. These false prophets were not doing the people any favors by working carelessly with the Word of God. Instead, they were simply confusing them. If someone is confusing your faith, back off and look at it. When you become occupied by your Bible, it should always have a powerful effect on your life. Make sure that you do not read these into the Bible or other, offer up your own views of interpretations as Bible truths. You must never, like the prophets in Jeremiah's day, distort the message that is contained in your Bible to support your own opinion. Folks, my opinion don't count. Your opinion don't count. It's only God's opinion that counts. I'm not that important. You're not that important, but God is important. His word never fails. Ask the Holy Spirit to make it possible for you to be able to make a fine distinction between what is really written in the word of God and your own interpretation. Do not offer straw to other people 
and proclaim that it is wheat. Only the wheat is what's nutritious, and that's the Word of God. But here in this scripture, when, Jer when I read that this morning about Jeremiah, don't do a substitute. Don't be satisfied with a substitute. Don't let that enter your mind or your body or your spirit. Only be happy with what is going on. That is the truth. Let the Word of God go through your hearts and your spirits and let it bring strength to your bones. He said it's like marrow to your bones. The Word of God stands. And this is what Paul was saying. The Word of God stands. It's a firm foundation of which we can trust and we can know that we're going to have a good end result. You say, well, sometimes I don't feel like it. Well, let me tell you what. Get in the Word. Let the Word be strength to you. Because you know what? There's nothing I can do. I can deliver the message, but I'm just a mere vessel delivering the message that you need to be in God's Word in order to finish out this life. You say, finish out this life. Look, I got more behind me than I got in front of me. And I want that that's in front of me to be trusting God all the way. Because I've come too far to look back. There's nothing back there for me to ever go to. But my trust in Jesus Christ remains. Remains. Be a witness to your children, to your grandchildren, to your neighbors. Love on them. Speak truth into their lives. Let them know that the love that you have for God is also love they can obtain. I don't want my kids to grow up without the Lord. I want to instill in them, and I have done that. And yeah, did they act up? Oh, yes, they did. Yes, I'm not going to go into that, though, because you don't want to hear it. But they turned their hearts back to Jesus. So if you're in here in this audience tonight, you say, well, I have difficulties with these things. I have difficulties facing tomorrow. I have difficulties not hanging with the right crowd. Only Jesus can change that. I can't change it. Pastor Mike can't change it. But only Jesus. There's a song that says, Only Jesus satisfies my soul, and it's so true. I'm thankful that I have him in my life because if I didn't have him, I'd be nobody. And you would be nobody. We need Jesus more today than ever before. Father God, we just thank you tonight, Lord, for your courage, your grace, for everything that you've extended here in your word tonight. Lord, I'm thankful that Apostle Paul did express to Timothy the things that he needed to know to further the gospel, but also it was expressed to us as a New Testament church to progress the gospel. And Father, tonight, if there's any in here tonight that need a special touch, Lord, I pray that you'd do that right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that as our pastors are away, that as they start home, that you give them a safe journey. Father, I pray that as we leave here tonight, Lord, let us not leave the Bible on the shelf, but let us take it home in our heart. Lord, let us lift you up more than anything, Lord. Let us have an active prayer life, an active Bible life, so that we can 
stay, Lord, so that we can remain in your presence. There's no presence like your presence. No presence like yours, Lord. We love you and we praise you, Lord, and we thank you for that presence right now. Father, as we leave this place tonight, which is your sanctuary of praise and glory and honor, I pray you would keep us safe as we go home. Lord, we just love you and we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for strength and courage. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Feed my desire.